Welcome to the Fearfully and Wonderfully Me podcast, a podcast designed to help you increase your influence, develop your leadership, and maximize your results. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast episode. This is one of those episodes that it's a subject that that I've kind of just had in the back of my brain for a little while. And number one, always, often, maybe not always, but most of the time when I share topics like this, it's because I've had a moment of awareness relative to myself. And then I love to think about how that applies for everyone else, right? So kind of just sharing what I've learned. Um, And this is definitely one of those episodes, kind of been in the back of my brain and kind of just a moment of awareness, or I don't know if it was one moment, but just a a little bit of a gradual realization of how this can affect us individually and realizing that it's certainly impacted me um, in the past. So just breaking all of this down. First and foremost, um, the topic today, fear of failure is interfering with your influence. Now, before we get to how this is impacting your influence, we're going to have to kind of dig down into um, a, a little bit of reflection in the, within self, right? So the fear of failure, it's not really something conscious. When I say the fear of failure, I think it's a subconscious fear of failure that's holding us back, particularly with respect to influence. So let me let me just share a scenario that helps maybe explain that a little bit better. Um, I realized over the last probably couple of years, maybe even before that, but I realized a lot of times that the difficulty with self-belief is that it's scary because so much of the time we tie our self-worth to an outcome in a situation. So I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I was trying to qualify to run the Boston Marathon. And I had qualified already um, one year, but I didn't have a fast enough time to make the cushion. In other words, they only take a certain number of people and they take the fastest people from every age group. And I had qualified, so I'd met the qualifying standard, but I didn't have a fast enough time to make the cushion or the cutoff. So there were just more people faster in my age group. And so I didn't get a spot. And so then I had, I had qualified again for the following year, but I did not yet know if I was going to get in. And so I was trying to run another marathon and get another qualifying time, hopefully with a better cushion so that uh, you know, cause this had been a goal for a while was to, to run in the Boston marathon. So a couple of years ago I was running this race and it just, it's one of those races that it just did not go the way I wanted it to. It didn't go the way I planned. It didn't go the way I hoped for it. Like it just, it just didn't. And what I realized was that it's so easy to look around when something doesn't have an outcome the way that we think it should or the way we want it should, it's so easy to look around and say, well, I didn't give it my, my best effort for whatever reason, right? We make an excuse and 
the reason for that, I, I think, is because a lot of times when we throw everything in and go for something and it doesn't work, then it's so easy to look at that with self-judgment and say, I'm, I gave it everything I could, I gave it my best, or I think I gave it my best, and I, it wasn't good enough, therefore I'm not good enough. And so it, it's easy to tie a sense of self-worth in to the outcome of a situation, a goal that we've tried for and quote unquote failed, and so therefore it wasn't good enough, so I wasn't good enough, right? And again, I think a lot of this happens subconsciously for many of us. But I realized in in my running particularly, that really is it's just one example from my my life, but it's a good one because I it's easy for anyone to see how, you know, you train for months trying to get your body in good condition so that it can perform at its best on a certain day and there's so many variables that come into months and months of training and you work so hard at it. I mean, we're talking, you know, running hundreds of miles a month, quite a few hours, you know, doing all the things in training and, and trying to, to make everything come right on this one particular day for this one particular race. And then maybe the weather doesn't turn out, you know, or, or something like that. Maybe you just didn't have a great day for whatever reason. Maybe you made some bad decisions in training, whatever it is. The outcome wasn't what you wanted. And so it's easy to say, well, I just didn't give it my best. Uh, the weather wasn't great. And so I knew I wasn't going to make the time that I wanted. So I kind of just slowed down and I didn't even try, right? It's very easy to subconsciously, again, I don't think any of us do this intentionally, but, but subconsciously we kind of look for the reasons why something didn't turn out the way we thought or we wanted. And then we say, well, we just kind of let ourselves off the hook. We say, well, I didn't give 100% because. Now, that's pretty straightforward, right, when we think about that, because it's it's scary, you know, to set a big goal. And there's always the certainly a, an opportunity that it's not going to be successful as as we might define it. Now, I think uh, we could do a whole podcast episode on successes is becoming the person who can achieve the goal. But um, that's that's really outside this, I don't wanna get down a bunny trail on that topic. But again, subconsciously, a lot of times we look around when something doesn't go the way we thought, whether it's influence in a relationship, it's influence in your career, a running goal that you set for yourself, an eating goal that you set for yourself, whatever it is. So we look around and we say, well, I could have done it if I'd really wanted to, but I didn't really want to because of X, Y, Z. And so I didn't really try. So that way we're kind of letting ourselves off the hook relative to not having to defend our self-worth. Now, again, all this happens kind of, you're really not aware of this, right? It's just something to, to bring to your attention. Just notice the next time something doesn't have an outcome the way you want, are you tell as a story that you're telling yourself, well, I didn't try really hard because of something. And so therefore I, I probably could have done better if I'd have tried harder, right? Are you, are you letting yourself off the hook that way? Or may, maybe not, maybe this doesn't happen for everyone, but, but I think many of us, you know, I know the people that I've talked to and the people that I've coached and worked with, I, I see this a lot is that we, 
we don't want to try to defend a sense of self-worth based on an outcome. And so a lot of times we, we kind of just make up an excuse or adapt an excuse, adopt an excuse for why we didn't put all of the effort in anyway. So now why and how is this interfering with relationships? Because the moment we start to try to increase our influence intentionally, right? When we start trying to apply the principles of leadership and influence and intentionally increasing influence with other people, there are going to be opportunities where we don't get it right. And a lot of times, consciously or unconsciously, we don't give it our best effort because we're afraid that we won't be successful. So for example, um, maybe you've been, let's say you've been studying the seven habits of highly effective people. And habit five is seek first to understand and then be understood. And in other words, listen first and then talk. And there's absolutely no doubt that this is an incredible, incredible, incredible tool in relationships and communication, increasing your influence. Um, I talk about this a lot in my book, Straight Talk, The Power of Effective Communication. And kind of what made me think of that as I'm recording this podcast is, is going back through some of the chapters and pulling out some quotes and how much of that book I dedicated to listening as a way to increase your connection and communication and therefore your influence. But, but let's just say that you've been reading the seven habits and you're, you know, you've learned that you can seek first to understand and then be understood. And you want to be more intentional with listening first and then speaking. And so now let's say, um, you come home from work and your teenagers in the kitchen and you, you know, you say something about, Hey, how was your day? And, or how was school? And maybe they start talking and in a minute you find yourself not fully listening. Your attention is drifting for whatever reason. And you, you kind of catch yourself after a few minutes and then you go, Oh wait, I, I really wasn't fully listening to what they're saying what they're not saying. I wasn't listening to the emotion. I kind of was just tuning out and thinking of the problem that I had at work today. And so immediately what happens is you kind of just, again, unconsciously let yourself off the hook. You say, well, I, I would have been a better listener because, you know, I, I can be a better listener, but I had so much other things going on at work that's distracting me. So I didn't, I didn't really try to use that skill in that situation. Right. So you kind of just excuse your way off of, uh, off of the issue. I forget who it was it that said, it might've been Stephen Covey. We judge other people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Right. And so the moment you catch yourself, you're like, well, I intended to be a better listener, but I got this conflict or this problem at work. And so that's kind of just weighing on my mind. And so I really wasn't trying to seek first to understand with my teenager. I, I just had too much else going on. Right. But the reason that we make that excuse, number one is it's easy to blame someone or something else. Right. That's the, that's the first and foremost reason why we, we tend to make other, uh, make up excuses. But I think unconsciously, one of the reasons that it's so easy to, to blame is because that natural tendency of, man, I tried, I gave everything I could to listen to that person in the moment and I didn't do it. And so we start to 
judge ourselves for it and we don't want that. That's that's not comfortable. Self-judgment is not comfortable. And so we don't want to feel the guilt of I should have done better. So we, again, just start to look around for, well, you know, this was an excuse and this is why I, I couldn't do it. So I didn't, I didn't really try because I didn't really try is not as scary as I really tried and I couldn't do it. And just let that sit for a moment. I didn't really try is not as scary as I really tried and couldn't do it. Because the, mem- the moment I say I really tried and I couldn't do it, then I start to think, well, what's wrong with me, right? And so then that's when we start to tie self-worth to an outcome. And all that to say, I know that this this subject is maybe a little deeper than some of the other um, topics we've talked about in terms of increasing your influence. But let me assure you that that subconscious fear of failure, that that subconscious fear of trying to grow and increase your influence and that subconscious fear of not being able to do it is holding you back from trying. And I think sometimes it's it's also a the fear of redefining who we are. And that can be, you know, there again, we could spend a whole nother podcast episode talking about how we tie identity up into um, who we are, how we do things, our situation. And so when we start to try to grow, when we start to change who we are, which ultimately will affect what we do, but, but the moment we start to try to change who we are, we have to remember not to, to judge our past self for not having gotten to this point sooner. And, you know, there's, it's kind of like the onion. There's a lot of layers to peel back there. But at the essence, what I really want to, to tie this podcast down to is when you find yourself making an excuse, blaming someone or something else for the situation, number one, taking responsibility because blaming someone or something else is not going to move you forward. I was, um, I was speaking for a group of young women a couple of weeks ago and, um, sharing just a little bit about my story. And I was actually talking about taking responsibility for your situation. And I used the story of when I started my career working at, at Pizza Hut and, it was just, it was sort of funny, you know, I, when I start talking about that, and if you've never waited tables, number one, you probably don't have a, a really great idea of it's, you know, it can be tough. But then I told, you know, I'm sharing with them and, um, you know, I'm sharing, you know, I was waiting tables and that meant not just serving the table, right? But it also means cleaning up the table and picking up half-eaten pizza crust that someone's kid threw on the floor. That was part of my responsibilities. Cleaning the bathrooms was part of my responsibilities as a server. And then, you know, and I'm sharing all of this to this group of young women. And then I'm sharing that I did all of that for $2.13 an hour, plus some tips, but $2.13 an hour. And that's some dirty you know, not fun work, right? But anyway, I I was sharing that story with them in context of taking responsibility and saying, look, you know, I had to take responsibility for going to get my GED and going to community college and getting my skills so that I could get a better job. And and one young lady um, piped up and she said, well, 
not having a, a GED or a high school diploma wasn't your fault. And I said, that's absolutely true, right? Because I left home. I didn't have that and I'd never been to school. I'd, I was homeschooled my whole life. Because it's absolutely true that that situation wasn't necessarily my fault. But if I want to get out of that situation, it's my responsibility, right? And so number one, when we find ourselves blaming someone or something else, we need to take responsibility. Maybe we didn't do everything that created the situation, but we've got to take ownership and responsibility for improving it. And part of that responsibility means looking and really examining how fear of failure is interfering with our influence. Because when we try to grow and we don't always get it right, that's not comfortable. And so we are we don't like that. And so we don't want to be, quote unquote, a failure. And so we don't want to fail. And so a lot of times we don't really try because it's scary to try and not be successful. And the truth is we're, we're not always going to be successful, right? Uh, when you start to do something for the first few times, you're not going to be great at it. There are going to be times when you don't get it all right. But don't let that fear of failure interfere with your influence because you won't even try, right? Don't let the potential outcome don't be don't be don't be dependent on the outcome be committed to what gets you the outcome and there again i can tie that lesson directly back to marathon running because you know there are going to be so many variables i've got another race coming up um in just a a week from today you in fact by the time you hear this podcast i will have already run this marathon but I've had to realize the growth lesson for me was realizing I've got to be committed to the process that helps me be successful, but detached from the results, the outcome, because of the things I cannot control. So realizing that we can be committed to the process of growth, we can do the things that will help us grow, we can read, we can be intentional about listening, trying to increase our influence, and it's not always going to get it right, but that's okay. Just because we fail to get it right all the time doesn't mean we are a failure. And when we release ourselves from that self-judgment, that inner critic, it's almost a shift in saying, you know what, I can make a mistake. It's almost giving yourself a permission to make a mistake. So now you have permission to try. And the just the plain and simple truth, the more often you try and apply, yes, there you're going to make some mistakes, but the more often you try and apply, the quicker you will be able to learn and grow and ultimately increase your influence. So I hope that was helpful. Again, that was just sort of an awareness moment um, for me and, and relative to my journey and how sometimes in relationships or situations, I, I don't, I find myself I've got to make sure that I'm not just not putting forth the energy into trying to increase my influence or practicing my listening skills or communication skills or whatever it is, because sometimes it's easy to let ourselves off the hook so that we don't have to deal with the, the concept of, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't successful, right? And I, again, I've seen this in other people. I've seen it in some of the people that I've worked with in coaching and, you know, when when we really want to have that growth, we really have to start in, to get intentional about some deep reflection and how 
different scenarios play out and how what we could have done differently could have changed or improved the outcome because that's where the lesson is, right? Just making mistakes doesn't help you move forward. Making the mistake but reflecting and then learning from it and doing it different or better next time is what helps you grow and ultimately is going to help you increase your influence. Until next time. Start increasing your influence and maximizing your potential with Rhea's audiobooks. Available at audible.com, amazon.com, and iBooks. Please visit RiaStory.com to learn about Ria's books, resources, speaking, and training programs. Thanks for listening.